0: Welcome to Kathleenwitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now here's Kathleen. familiar with a verse or familiar with what it says, but we don't even know what that really means. And that's what I love about this class because we want to take the scriptures and take them at their simplest form because I'm pretty simple myself. And I need to know how I can apply that to everyday life. And so we started looking at what are curses. And I'm just going to read this again. Curses can be gossip. They're not just cursing and using God's name in vain. They can be gossip. something is false, gossip can also mean when something's true and it's just, frankly, none of your business. Or it's true and it's going to hurt somebody. Or it's true and it just, you know in your heart it shouldn't be repeated. And all of us have been there before. I know it's come out of my mouth so many times where I say, you know, I really shouldn't tell you this, but, you know, we've all done that. And we need to catch ourselves and say, whoa, but I'm not going to. Then I'm not going to. We have to start learning to grow up in Jesus. You know, I don't want to just get older. I want to get wiser. And and, and just gaining years doesn't give us wisdom. What gives us wisdom is when we know the Word of God and we actually do it, you know? I mean, I, I crack up so many times when you go and hear a pastor and he's speaking on whatever he's speaking on. Maybe he's speaking on love or something. And you think, oh, great, he's speaking on love, 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 love. I've heard love so many times. You know, how many times can I hear a sermon on love? And then the Holy Spirit will say, well, are you, you know, walking in love and loving in every area of your life? And I have to admit, well, no. See, it doesn't matter unless we're actually doing what we've learned. And um, we, I've told you so many stories. Poor Storm. I hope he never gets these tapes when he gets older. We have a three-year-old little boy that we adopted from Armenia, and he's just the most precious Strong willed child I've ever met and um he we love him, and um he loves us and um anyway, it's like how can your child you know be so much like you? <laughs> you've got to raise them? Have you ever been just furious at one of your children and they're looking back at you and you're looking at them and they're looking at you, and you're thinking, Oh my gosh, this is me Look him! you know anyway, he doesn't want to be potty trained, <laughs> so we're having sort of a struggle in this whole picture um. Anyway, I won't go into detail because some of you are probably still eating, but he just finds it, it's just not necessary, especially if you have a wagon in your room, just, you know, wagon in the room, toys to cover, whatever you need to cover, let's move on. And um, so, storm can be just a mess, and um, why am I telling this story? Does anyone know? love. Love and learning. Love and learning. This is what it is. Thank you so much. If you can place your good friends on the first row, you just do a lot better. Um, And so what Lacey will do is Storm will mess up and mess up and mess up, and Lacey will go, Storm, I have told you time and again, son, you've got to go on. And Storm will finish his sentence, go on the potty and say, Mommy, Daddy, need to use the potty. And he has the voice inflection, and he repeats back to Lacey exactly what he's supposed to do, only he's not doing it. And God has just used that as such a picture to me of, Kathleen, that's exactly the way that you are sometimes. You can repeat things. You you may know scriptures. You may know people that can recite the Old and New Testament backwards and forwards. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that if you have not love, you're a resounding gong because, see, it just rings negatively in people's ear when we know things and have the knowledge of God, but we're not walking in the ways of God. So we need to know what our curses. Gossip, number two, careless words. We use two scriptures with that. Ephesians five eighteen that says, "Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit." Because God says, "Hey, I don't want wine controlling you. I want the Holy Spirit controlling you at all times." Because if anything else controls you, wine or anything else, even your own flesh, then careless words are going to be a given. And then we looked at Matthew twelve thirty six. It says that I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. It's a very strong scripture that we will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word that we have spoken. Why? Because careless words hurt. They can ruin people's lives. Just our frivolous. Self-centered conversations or gossip or careless words or too much wine or just thinking of, hey, can I have attention? You know, I know the latest can really hurt, ruin entire families, hurt reputations. And then number three, another way we can curse is to criticize. Matthew 7, 1 and 2 says, do not judge. And I mentioned this briefly last Sunday. That word in the Greek, judge, is the English word criticize. Do not judge, criticize, or you will be judged, criticized. For in the same way that you judge or criticize others, you will be judged and criticized. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, in all of this, I think of just God's law of sowing and reaping. And he says, undoubtedly, just as much as gravity is a law, and if I said, well, I'm going to go jump off that roof, Expect me to just float down because gravity is a law. I'm going to fall, and it's not going to feel good. Well, there's physical laws such as gravity, but there are also spiritual laws. And the spiritual world created the physical world, so I'm thinking the spiritual laws are even more powerful than our physical laws. And there is a spiritual law that says whatever you sow, you will reap. And so, if we sow a bunch of criticism, we're going to reap a bunch of criticism. And I also think of, like, as our kids grow up and grow up in this church and and mess up and and make mistakes and all of that, we need to be sowing mercy, mercy, mercy to everyone else's kids all the time. Why? Because I want my child to reap mercy. And I need to reap mercy. We need to be very aware of what curses are. And, you know, it's hard, you know. you're in the real-life situation, even small real-life situations, because they go through many different stages, and, you know, I can stand up here and say, well, I'm just going to love all children at all times, everywhere, no matter what they do to my children, I just love them at all times, but, I mean, I was talking with a dear friend the other day, and she said, now, tell me the truth, do you ever just feel like you just, you know, it hurts, it hurts when they're hurt, and I said, you're right, it hurts when they're hurt, But both of us agreed, you know, we need the mercy of God, and we have to sow that mercy in every situation. Even little things that you think aren't going to bug you. Okay, I'm not going to give that example. Okay, I had to pray while I was talking. Community's too small. Community's too small. Okay, so what do I do if someone curses or gossips or speaks evil of me? I love this quote. It's by a man named Edgar J. Moan, a lie has speed, but the truth has endurance. not the truth? A lie has speed, but the truth has endurance. You know, often when someone is cursing against us or speaking ugly against us or speaking ugly against our family or our husbands or your wife or whoever, my first reaction, your first reaction is to discredit them in some way is to some way discredit them. But if we see the truth of God's word, he says for us not to curse them back. And lots of times when I'm in the middle of trying to discredit someone, I end up inadvertently cursing them back because I'm trying to discredit their reputation. I'm trying to prove that I'm right. You know, Lots of times we'll even call someone for prayer, but what we're really doing is we're calling someone to be on our side and to affirm us, oh my goodness, you're so right, they're so wrong. And so we need to be careful that we're not cursing them back, because that is not what God tells us to do. God's ways are so different. God's word in 1 Corinthians 4.12 says, when we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. Is that your natural inclination? Hey, honey, someone's just really saying bad things about me, but I've been out blessing them. It's not our natural inclination. And yet God says, I don't want you to just get older. I want you to grow up. I want you to mature in my word by knowing my word, knowing what it says, and doing it. When we are cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. How do we do that? I mean, how can I do that? How can I possibly endure something? I have to know what the word of God says about someone who is being spoken ugly of or being attacked in some way. One very comforting scripture is Isaiah fifty four seventeen that says that no weapon forged against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. You know, there have been times where it is hurt so deep to hear someone say something untrue, or even people you don't know. I've, I've gone places... Um, And and spoken, (laughs) I have a situation where I've gone somewhere, you know, north of here, down I-35 to a rather large city that has a very large um, university, but I'm not going to tell you what city it is. (laughs) And I spoke to a group of people and gave my heart and soul, and I spoke to their early group, and I spoke to their night group, and they didn't want to pay me after I spoke because they said I was just too Jesus-y. And they said ugly things about me to their national board, and I was, too, about Jesus. And, you know, everything in me wanted to vindicate myself and call their national board and say, well, aren't you supposed to be about Jesus? You know, isn't that why we're here? Isn't that, and yet I knew Isaiah 43 says, no weapon formed against me will prosper, but that I will refute every tongue raised up against me. That is my inheritance. As a saint in the Lord God will vindicate And I also know another scripture That's helped me so much Proverbs 26, two Is an amazing scripture and, and I even have a visual for it Because I think that visuals help so much For us to see It says like a fluttering sparrow Or a darting swallow An undeserved curse does not come to rest Did you know that? So if someone Throws a curse at me and I don't deserve that curse, and I'm not going to throw it back at them. It's not going to rest on me. That's what the book of Proverbs says. It only rests on us when we start cursing them back. So, Are you going to do this? Okay, so here's my curse. I can choose to catch it, and if I catch it, it comes to rest, right? I chose to catch it, and it's going to come to rest. And then what do I do? I'm going to curse her back. Or she can throw a curse at me. Go ahead. And I cannot catch it. And I can choose to not. Don't do it yet. Don't peg me. This <laughs> is not dodgeball. This is Mother's Day. She told me earlier that she was going to sing a Mother's Day song for me. And she's in the production. You want me to tell that? And, and so she sang the Goliath song for me. She goes, Mom, this is for you. You're big, you're scary, you're really, really hairy. You're ugly, you're scary, you, were She goes, and I love you. Happy Mother's Day. For those of you that haven't been in the service, that, that's the song to Goliath. <clears throat> Goliath does have a good manicure. I want you to notice that when you see Goliath go down. So she can throw a curse to me, and I can choose to not receive it, and it goes back to her. She can also throw, see if you can do it. She can throw another curse to me. I can turn my back to it, thanks, honey, and it goes back to her, because, see, God tells us that if we catch it, and if we receive it, and we curse them back, then all of a sudden, what are you in? You're in this whole game of receiving curses back and forth, but if I have a curse thrown to me Then the book of Proverbs in 26.2 says, Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. It will not come to rest to me if it's undeserved and if I don't curse them back. And I can choose to face the curse that they're saying towards me or doing towards me, and that was when I faced her as she threw the curse towards me, and I just let it bounce off me. Or sometimes it's best to ignore it and turn our backs and let it bounce off. I think that's what the word means by turn the other cheek, but it could be. <clears throat> some of you did not understand that. And that is okay. If we've really been wronged, it may enter our minds to seek revenge in some way, but God's word tells us to not seek revenge. This is a really important scripture. Romans twelve, seventeen through nineteen says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil could answer a whole lot of questions for us. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. This is huge because it says, not only don't repay evil for evil, But if you choose to take revenge, God's word infers that you don't leave room for God's wrath. And he'll say, hey, you want to handle it? You handle it. But if I choose not to take revenge and I choose to do it God's way and to bless my enemies, then if they don't turn and repent, there is room for God's wrath to come in and do whatever he feels His mercy is always towards us and towards his other children. And sometimes it looks like, why do people get away for so long with what they're doing? But see, you can read Psalm 37 on your own and figure out they're not getting away with anything. But God tells us specifically not to take revenge. He will repay. Romans 12:20 20 and 21 says, On the contrary... And I'm just continuing from Romans 12:17 through 19. I'm going to read it again. Do not repay anyone for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's like saying, God, as far as it depends on me, you said for me to live at peace, and so I will choose peace. It's like what we were talking about a couple Sundays ago where you say, I will choose to be the first one to apologize every single time. And y'all were laughing when I was telling you the stories of being in disagreements, heated disagreements, since we don't argue, heated disagreements with Lacey. And hearing the Holy Spirit say, Kathleen, just stop, apologize. And I would say to the Holy Spirit back, well, I was the first one to apologize last time. And don't tell me that you're not ever like that. Y'all are looking very it depends on me. I need to be the peacemaker. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room, place, and space for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And then Romans 12, 20 and 21 goes on to say, on the contrary, on the contrary to taking revenge, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then it says something that's the most key scripture, and I think such a key scripture for our generation, Romans 12, verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, I have met people that have had tremendously difficult things happen in their life, and they are overcome. who have been sexually abused, who have had horrible, horrible situations that we would not even want to give glory to by discussing them, happen in their life. And they have chosen to be overcomers. And I shared with some kids in the high school last week, you will have a choice all the time to be an overcomer or to be overcome, to be pitiful or to be powerful, but you won't be both. You won't be both. And God says that we're not to be overcome by evil. You know, sometimes I hear all the things that are going on in the world or I I see and you see just in the news, just the evil and the depravity around the world. And it's so tempting to be overcome and overwhelmed and oppressed and depressed. But God says don't be overcome by evil. But then he tells us what to do. He doesn't say, okay, just go and be joyful. He says overcome evil with good. Do good, do good, do good. And that's why I think God is saying, bless your enemies, feed your enemies, give them something to drink, do good to them. I wanted to read you a story that I think illustrates this very beautifully. It's written in a book by Cory Ten Boom, and it's called Lights from the Darkest of Africa. And it's a true story about a man in Africa that she had met, and his name is Thomas. Thomas was a tall black man who lived in a round hut together with his big family in the middle of Africa. And he loved the Lord and He loved people, an unbeatable, an unbeatable combination. And isn't that true? I mean, I figured out after reading and studying and reading and studying, and I've got such a long way to go. I know so so little. But I mean, just to say, God, what is really your heart? You know, what is love? You can be the biggest theologian on the face of the earth. You can know every scripture, and you can be right. Some people would rather be right than to love. And I'm not talking about heresy. I'm just talking about nitpicky, silly stuff. I mean, loving people and loving God, an unbeatable combination. Thomas's neighbor who lived across the dirt street hated God and hated men like Thomas who loved God. The hatred grew stronger and stronger until the man began sneaking over at night and setting fire to the straw roof on Thomas's hut, endangering his small children. Three nights in a row this happened, and each time Thomas was able to rush out of his hut and put out the flames before they destroyed the roof of the walls. The fact that he had never said an unkind word to his neighbor, only showing him love and forgiveness made his neighbor hate him even more one night the neighbor sneaked across the street and set fire to Thomas's roof. This night, however, a strong wind came up, and as Thomas rushed to beat out the fire, the sparks blew across the street and set the neighbor's house on fire. Isn't that not a picture of what happens? You go to set someone else's house on fire, and it's your own house that alights. Thomas finished putting out the fire on his roof, and then he rushed across the street to put out the fire on his neighbor's roof. He was able to extinguish the flames, but in the process, he badly burned his hands and arms. Other neighbors told the chief of the tribe what had happened, and the chief was so furious, he sent his police to arrest the neighbor and throw him into prison. That night, Thomas came to the meeting where I was speaking, Mrs. Corrie Ten Boom. As he had done each night, And I noticed his badly burned hands and asked him what had happened. And reluctantly, he told me the story. It's good that this man is now in prison, I said. Now your children will no longer be in danger, and he cannot try again to put your house into flames. That's true, he said, but I am so sorry for this man. He is an unusually gifted man, and now he must live together with all of those criminals in a horrible prison. Let's pray for him, I said. And Thomas dropped to his knees. And holding up his burned and bandaged hands, he began to pray, Lord, I claim this neighbor of mine for you. Lord, please give him freedom and do the miracle that in the future he and I will become a team to bring the gospel to our tribe. Amen. Never had I heard such a prayer. Two days later, I was able to go to the prison, and I spoke to the prisoners about God's joy and God's love. And among the group who listened intently was Tom When I asked who would receive Jesus into his heart. That man was the first one to raise his hand. After the meeting, I told him how Thomas loved him and how he burned his hands trying to put out the fire to save his house and how he had prayed that they might become a team to spread the gospel. And the man wept big tears and nodded his head saying, Yes, that's how it shall be. The next day I told Thomas and he praised God and said, You see, God has worked a miracle we can never expect too much from him. And he left running off down the, fa- down the path, his face beaming with joy. I think sometimes in my own life, maybe in your life, how many miracles have I missed out on simply by not blessing somebody back? You know, maybe I'm not into cursing someone. But maybe just in my heart, I felt like, well, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Or I'll just ignore that person. Or I'm just going to, you know, think about me and my family. And we talked about boundaries in here last Sunday. I'm not talking about having unwise boundaries. God wants us to be balanced and wise and protective. And he does say in his word not to give the pearls that we have, the good precious things within us and within our children to swine. But at the same time he tells us to bless our enemies and to not curse those that curse us back. So how can I bless my enemies today and still have healthy boundaries? Number 1, we can be a blessing. Romans 2:4 says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. Isn't that a huge scripture? I mean, I sort of like want every evangelist across the world, which includes every single one of you in this room, did you know that, to see it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness. It's when we demonstrate his kindness, if we can just be a blessing to them, if we can smile at whoever doesn't smile back if we can just be kind. And sometimes that's being kind from a distance. I know I gave you the example of the one individual in our life that I pray for and, and we definitely pray for and we love from a distance because that boundary has to be there. But I'm kind towards that person. And if I hear something negative, which I have heard many negative things, I don't join in. I walk away and I pray. Have I always been that way? And I'm, Perfect and always, no. But I'll tell you what, once you sign over to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit keeps you on a short leash and you can feel it because I get yanked up pretty fast when I'm doing the wrong thing. And I feel that static and that uncomfortableness and I don't want to live with it. Once you've tasted peace and you've tasted the joy that you have in doing what God has, has ordained for us to do so we can have freedom. You don't ever want to go back. You don't want to go back to defending yourself. You don't want to go back to cursing someone. You don't want to go back to being depressed and thinking about yourself and how you can make yourself happy. You don't want to go back. And God says that it's his kindness that leads someone to repentance. It's not that we bring accusation to them and show them their depravity. It's God's kindness. Number two, how can I bless my enemies and still have healthy boundaries is give a blessing. You know, the individual that I'm talking about, I actually sent a gift to that individual. I know y'all are all thinking about the heaping coal, you know, coals on their heads scripture. And that's true. I'm going to read that again. Romans 12, um, Verses 20 and 21, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There is so much power when I'm not and you're not choosing to be overcome with evil, but when we're literally actively choosing to overcome evil with good. And for many of us, that needs to be an action. It can't just be this pervasive positive thought. It needs to be an action. And I prayed, and, and it was right before my second um, eye surgery, and I I couldn't really read. I couldn't read my Bible. My, I was in bed, and I'd lost all the weight that I finally gained back and um, from the um, antibiotics. And long story, but I wasn't feeling too good. And I saw something on television that I knew would reach this individual because it spoke this individual's language. It was in this individual's um, interest and i ordered it and had it sent to them see there's power in the action of love first corinthians 13 says love never fails and there is endurance in the truth and so number two give a blessing send them a gift send them a card do something anonymous and that may not work in every situation but pray about it and you will have that joy can only come from doing things the way Jesus did them because you know what if he had waited for just even one good person to get up on that cross and die for there would be no cross folks it was when we were yet sinners that Jesus died for us how good for me to be reminded of that that before I was even born he saw me and he said when you were still in the midst of all of your stuff and I'm I'm still in the midst of my stuff. I don't know about y'all, but aren't you? I told you last Sunday, or I think it was here. I don't know where it was anymore. been to too many places this week. But don't you ever just get sick of yourself? I mean, sometimes I'm like, God, here I am again. I'm so sick of myself, you know? Or I'll find myself just ring, 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 ring with the family, and there's strife going on, and I'm still in my old mindset and habits, and I go upstairs, and I'm brushing my hair feel sorry for myself, and I just think, I'm so sick of myself. And yet God's never sick of me. He's never sick of you. He loves us. And can't I show that same mercy to others? But see, we love to see other people under a microscope. But then when we look at ourselves, we get out our rose-colored glasses. That's Annie Lute's favorite talk that I give because I found some rose-colored glasses one time, and I put them on. But we do, we're like, okay, now I'm going to look at you, husband or wife. Let me get out my microscope. And we get it out, and we get our little Petri dish, and we zoom it way in. We look at every little speck and piece. And then we're like, now I'm going to look at myself, excuse me for a moment. And we get out these big rose-colored glasses. And we're like, well, I can understand why I did that, thought that, went there, said that. Because I just wasn't feeling good that day. So we need to understand that we need to... Give mercy. Number three, how can I bless my enemies today and still have healthy boundaries? Pray a blessing. Pray that they'll be blessed. I wrote this poem in 1993 before I had a child, and I just feel like the Holy Spirit wrote it because I didn't even have a child until 95, and it's called A Mother's Heart. A mother's heart cries tears of pain when the heart of her child is broken. Yet every day she must let her child go into a world whose deeds are best unspoken. Another child, she does see, brings darkness to her own. No greater dislike has a mother than for the one who harms her home. God in heaven, I know it says to pray for those who persecute me, but the hate I feel for this hardened soul makes him or her my greatest enemy. So I lift my own child up to you for protection and for care, and I ask that you guide him in all of his steps and remind him that you're always there. Amen, the mother ended, but knew her prayer was not complete. Slowly, haltingly, back on her knees, she bowed her head and began to speak. Jesus, please bless this enemy child and forgive me for my hate. Send someone to tell him of Christ's love for him before it's too late. At that moment in the mother's heart, God began to say, All of my children are in need of prayers. The very first prayer for this child was said by you today. I want to read God's word to you because I can think of no better words than to end this class with. And I'll see you next Sunday, God willing. In the Amplified Bible, 1 Peter 3.9 says, Never return evil for evil or insult for insult scolding tongue lashing berating but on the contrary blessing praying for their welfare happiness and protection and truly pitying and loving them for know that to this you have been called sometimes i hear kids and adults say what have i been called to what's my call we need never question that we've been called to love For know that to this you've been called, that you may yourselves inherit a blessing from God, that you may obtain a blessing as heirs, bringing welfare and happiness and protection. For let him who wants to enjoy his life and see good days, good whether apparent or not, keep his tongue free from evil and his lips from guile, from treachery and deceit. Let him turn away from wickedness and shun it. Let him do right. When Natty threw that ball to me, you saw that at one point I turned away. Let him turn away from wickedness and do right, do good. Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbed fears, agitating passions and moral conflicts, and seek it eagerly. Do not merely desire peaceful relationships with God, but with your fellow men and with yourself. But pursue, go after them, for the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. not that awesome? But you can tell your child, God's eyes are upon you when you want to do right. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with God, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who practice evil, to oppose them, frustrate. so clearly tells us that you want us to bless and not curse. Your word so clearly tells us not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. And Father, each one of us comes this morning with different circumstances and situations in our lives that have been painful and hurtful, people in our lives, circumstances in our lives, where we have felt attacked or cursed or or had something very Horrible, horrible happened to us. Father, show each one of us, as you're so faithful to do, what we can actively do to overcome evil with good. Father, some of us, I know you're going to say, send that person a gift. Send them a card. Others of us are going to need to pray faithfully for them. Others of us are going to need to smile and be kind when every everything within us wants to walk away and be unkind. But all of us, all of us are to bless our enemies like the man in the story, Thomas, and to love those who persecute us and to pray for those who despitefully use us. Father, give us that desire to be like you, not just to hear about you or learn about you, not to know a lot about you, not to be puffed up with knowledge, but to walk in wisdom and to change. Thank you.